Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello friends and welcome to another edition of the Bleed Los Podcast. This week we are joined in the Carnasada by Bill Shaken. Bill Shaken is a baseball uh, writer for the Los Angeles Times. We talk about how the offseason's going for baseball and as you all know it's in a lockout. But we go into the lockout a little bit. Uh, we talk about also some free agency because also, you know, as you know, once the agreement's done with the, the union and the players and all that business, you still got to sign, guys, right? So we talk about that, some Dodgers free agency, kind of do a little bit of looking around. And, uh, and you know, we just kind of dive into some stuff after we talk to, uh, talk to Bill. So without further ado, here is Bill Shaken from the Los Angeles Times. This is Todd Lights, public address announcer for your Los Angeles Dodgers. And now, it's time for the Bleed Lows Podcast with your hosts Alonso and Juan with the babyface gimmick in the sky, Roger. And this week in the uh, the Carnesada, we have uh, we have someone making a pit stop coming by, hopefully having some tacos and, uh, and talking shop. Uh, Bill Shaken of, uh, of the LA Times. How are you doing, Bill? Doing well. How are you? Doing good. Thanks for joining us. Uh, so wanted to uh, touch on a couple things. Uh, first things first, the the thing that doesn't make everyone uncomfortable, the Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame was a little weird. As you know, uh, some notable names stayed out, but uh, an interesting dichotomy of uh, one guy that was also kind of linked to some sketchy stuff got in. Uh, what's uh, for, for Before we kind of dive into it, do you have a vote and can you tell us who you voted for? I do not have a vote, so I can't tell you who I voted for. Um, Perfect. I can tell you that I, I would have voted for Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens if I did have a vote, because I think the best player of every era should be represented in the Hall of Fame. And Barry Bonds was the best position player of the steroid era, and Roger Clemens was the best pitcher. Uh, Barry Bonds has more MVPs than anybody in baseball history. Roger Clemens has more Cy Youngs. Uh, I would have, again, voted for both of them, but I certainly understand the position of the, the folks who did not. And uh, the reason I asked if you had a vote, because uh, some people uh, do and don't. So we just want to get that out of the way for yeah. transparency's sake. Uh, interestingly enough, Roger Clemens said some interesting stuff about uh, not getting in, how he moved on, kind of preferred the generational wealth, uh, you know, all that stuff. And an interesting statement, I think that's kind of, it was, it was, if you, you know, if, if you're, as you know, the internet likes to read into stuff, uh, they did, they read into the Clemens thing. Uh, is it fair to say that Ortiz getting in is kind of, for lack of a better term, kind of a hypocrisy? Well, it just depends on, you know, who you are and what your reasons are for voting. You know, I did a column on mostly on bonds, not getting in, but you started to read on the internet different people having different reasons for voting or not voting for people. And look, everybody puts a lot of time into this. I think that there are folks sometimes who, you know, see people putting up individual ballots and take that as an opportunity to rip away. And, and you're welcome to do that. But I don't know of anybody who participates in the election that doesn't spend a lot of time and effort trying to figure out what to do. Um, one of the things that came up, for example, though, that 
sort of made me think twice was people would say, well, I'm voting for Barry Bonds or Clemens because you know what? I can see a certain part of his career where I'm pretty sure he did steroids, but take that away. And the rest of it, still a Hall of Fame career. And I understand that part of it, but the instructions on the ballot talk about sportsmanship and character and integrity. So that's the only reason Bonds or Clemens are even in question. If it's just on statistics, you know, those guys are almost unanimous, right? So then I'm thinking, well, what you're basically saying with that kind of vote is you count sportsmanship, character, and integrity for, let's say, the first half of their career. The second half of their career, you don't count. So everybody's struggling with what to do. And to get back to your question in the case of Ortiz, what happened was in 2003, baseball players and owners agreed before we put in a steroid testing program, because we don't know if there's a problem, wink, wink, we're going to have anonymous tests. And if 5% of major leaguers test positive, then we'll actually start testing with names and with penalties and with suspensions. Now, to this day, it amazes me that like all those players couldn't just get off the juice for one year and then they wouldn't have steroid testing, but God bless. So Ortiz's name turned up a positive test in that year. The names were never supposed to be released. The New York Times got a hold of some of them. And Rob Manfred, who was running the testing program then as Bud Selig's top assistant, and then, of course, now as commissioner, was asked about it. And he said, you know, those, those tests were not all guaranteed to be right. We weren't holding them to the same kind of standard that we would now. And besides, they weren't supposed to count anyway. So if you're asking me to decide about your Hall of Fame vote based on that one test result that was reported, I would say don't consider that. And so I think a lot of people said, well, did David Ortiz actually test positive starting the next year? And he played you know, long beyond 2004 uh, to where there's a record of him testing positive in the same way that there's a record of A-Rod testing positive, for example, or Manny Ramirez. And people said, you know, no. I mean, I'm going to throw out that one fluke that nobody was about anyway. Maybe it was true. Maybe it was false positive. But some people thought, you know, when it was time to actually say, here's when the tests count. Here's what baseball will punish you. He never tested positive. And I think that was enough for, for folks who were worried at least about the steroid issue. Hey, Bill, uh, your article that you mentioned uh, that was appeared earlier this week in the L.A. Times, mainly about bonds, uh, I thought was a fantastic article. And for our listeners, don't use the excuse of the paywall won't let me read it or anything like that. There was a deal where I got the L.A. Times digital for six months for a dollar. So I, I think you can go ahead and spare the dollar and read that article because that, that article, deal is still there. L.A. Times dot com slash subscribe. There we go. And, and the thing is, that article was so great, Bill. That last paragraph, I think, totally nailed it, where Bonds doesn't need the Hall of Fame. But how did we get to the point, Bill, where a museum, because that's what the Hall of Fame is, is holding players accountable more so than the commissioner of Major League Baseball or the league itself? Well, and I would say the Hall of Fame isn't even holding people accountable. They're hiding behind baseball writers, they're using the writers as a shield, essentially, because as the column pointed out, 
Barry Bonds is not banned from baseball in the way that, say, Pete Rose is. So if Barry Bonds wanted to become a manager tomorrow, he could. If he wanted to be a hitting coach, he could. And in fact, he was with the Marlins for a year. The Giants have retired his number. He was there cheering against the Dodgers in the playoffs last fall. He can do whatever he wants in baseball. Now, and if you look, of course, in the record book on Major League Baseball's website, it says all-time home run leader, Barry Bonds, 762, there is no asterisk. So when it comes to the Hall of Fame, Major League Baseball likes to say, well, we're not quite the Hall of Fame, we're separate. And the Hall of Fame rule is if you are ineligible under baseball rules, as Pete Rose is, we're not going to put you up for a Hall of Fame election. But again, Barry Bonds is not. So when the steroid era had come to conclusion and all these guys started showing up on the ballots, McGuire, Sosa, Bonds, Clemens, etc., some of the folks in the baseball writers said, well, Hall of Fame, how do you want us to judge these people? It just says sportsmanship, character, and integrity. Should this count? How should it count? Do you want to not include these people on the ballot at all? And what the Hall of Fame said is, eh, you know, shrug emoji, we don't care. Uh, you guys figure it out. We trust you. So they would rather have people, if they're going to be a controversy in attacks, they'd rather have attacked the writers in the Hall of Fame. I get it. You know, it's easier. So that's what they've done. And I think the unfortunate downside for baseball is that if there had been a plan as to how to deal with steroid era, and it could be various plans. Maybe it was you tested positive after there was punishment. Maybe it was you tested positive at any point. Maybe it was you got caught up in a government raid. Maybe it was it doesn't matter at all. But whatever the plan was, you would have it in place. But because Major League Baseball the Hall of Fame decided to hide behind the writers, every writer has a different opinion, just as many fans have different opinions. And every year when the Hall of Fame election comes up, this steroid era comes up all over again. I can't imagine why that's helpful to Major League Baseball, but that's where we are. So, Bill, what happened in year one of Bond's eligibility? He was in the mid-30s. Now, in his last year in 10 year, at the 10-year mark, he's almost at his mid-60s. I mean, that is a 30% increase. Why all of a sudden did some of these writers start to change their stance on Bond? Well, there are two specific things. And if you look at the Bond's voting record year to year, you'll see two jumps that were out of line with what happened every other year. One was when the Baseball Hall of Fame, although they didn't put in guidelines on how to evaluate players from the steroid era, they did say, you know what? We don't think anybody needs to be on a ballot for 15 years. We're going to cut it to 10. Well, that gave them five less chances. And a lot of people thought that that's ridiculous. The voting base is changing as writers you know, get younger, newer writers come in. Maybe their opinions will be different. They tend to be a little more lenient, if you will, toward the steroid guys. Um, so maybe that was sort of a passive aggressive way of the Hall of Fame trying to manage the steroid guys. So a lot of writers said, you know what, forget it. I'm voting for Bonzi Clemens. The other thing was that Bud Seeley in the Hall of Fame. Bud Seeley, the commissioner who oversaw the steroid era, Bud Seeley, the commissioner who really didn't do anything about it until Congress called him in and basically forced him to do something about it, at which point he could point his finger at the players union and say, they're not helping me. And finally, they got something done and Sila gets credit for that. But a lot of folks said, well, 
if there's no repercussions for Bud Selig, who oversaw the era in which Bonds and Clemens played, why should there be repercussions for Bonds and Clemens? So those were the two jumps, the Hall of Fame cutting the eligibility and Selig getting in. Other than that, pretty steady incline a little bit every year. But again, as we saw this year, not uh, not close enough to the 75% you need. Bill Shaken uh, from the Los Angeles Times joining us here for a few minutes. Uh, other elephant in the room. It's kind of weird because we there still is a baseball or a baseball start date. Uh, we had Max Muncy on last week, and uh, he interestingly said something to the effect of that that the narrative that's kind of being spun, for lack of a better term, isn't the real one. Uh, what can you tell us that you've heard, and where where is kind of everything at after the meeting that they had this past week? Well, I I can't really respond to comments about the narrative because I'm not sure what the narrative is unless you want to tell me what what it is <laughs> or less you know the, the way that he kind of it was implied I guess for lack of a better term yeah and this isn't even throwing Max under the bus it's just kind of what he said that sure. it's just been unfair to both sides uh that it isn't true you know the things that are kind of coming out that the posturing that's been reported isn't necessarily true but obviously you know that we only know what we know because of what's reported if you will well, again, I, I, I want to be careful because I didn't hear specifically what Max said. I don't want to be unfair to him. But basically what's happened is the revenue in baseball has grown tremendously over the past few years. Uh, the salaries have not. The salaries have pretty much remained flat. And part of the reason for this is because as analytics have taken over, as they have in all areas of baseball from you know, what pitch you should swing on to how much the Dodgers charge you for a ticket on Tuesday versus Saturday, um, you know, just like the airlines, analytics are everywhere. So in player evaluation, everybody knows now what they did not know, say, 10 or 15 years ago, which is to sign a free agent because he was a great player for another team and pay him a lot of money for your team. Now that his best years are done, probably not a great use of your money. So the elite free agents still get paid, but a lot of the guys who used to be, for lack of a better term, middle-class veterans, they're not getting paid as much. Maybe they're coming in on minor league contracts to spring training, and teams are relying more and more on younger players who analytics, again, show they're, they're more effective. And certainly, if you factor cost into that, they're definitely more effective. So the union is trying to figure out how can we get more money to the younger guys? So one idea was let's just have guys be eligible for free agency after five years instead of six, because again, they'll get to free agency younger signing them to a long-term deal makes a little more sense than signing when they're a little bit older. Uh, that has gone nowhere. The owners have insisted they're not going to do that, that, you know, it would make it very hard for um, some teams to retain their, talented players and how much fans and Rob Manfred said this, how much fans hate it when, you know, a small market team can't afford to keep a guy, which I think is a bit amusing because the only reason Mookie Betts is with the Dodgers is because the decidedly non-small market Boston Red Sox decided they, they didn't want to afford him. But in any case, the players made the argument, the owners weren't going to hear it. And as of last week, the players agreed, okay, let's, let's back off on that. And let's find other ways to get more money to younger players. So there are two things they're working on. One is raising the minimum salary, because right now for your first three years, teams can pay you whatever they want. And so they don't like to pay much above the minimum, as you can imagine. Uh, after three years, you get to arbitration, where 
the teams still control your right. So you can't go play anywhere else, but you propose a salary team proposes a salary. And if you can't agree, there's a third party arbitrator that decides. So salaries go way up. If a guy's making 600,000 his third year, he might make say 6 million his fourth. So the players would like to get understandably more of the younger guys in on that. So far, the owners have resisted that. Uh, they have offered some sort of money to pay more to younger players based on performance. So example, maybe you are that $600,000 guy and you win the MVP. Maybe then you'll get part of a, a pool of bonus money. So maybe you'll get 2 million instead of 600,000. That's sort of where we are on the table at this point, and And we'll see how it goes. And in all fairness too, for what Max said, really the only substantive thing that Max gave us in his eloquent non-answer and that's not even a knock on him because he just doesn't want to get caught up with stuff. And I get that uh, was more or less that the narrative being spun just isn't fair to both sides, which I found interesting because again, everything that's been reported is no, no, no from one side and and no budging from the other, if you will. So it's a great, great way of laying it out because I think that's the thing that's kind of getting lost in translation as well is that it, this isn't the players just, you know, saying no to say no, they're literally trying to help out the collective to be able to, you know, to make a little more money. And you can't blame them because they just want a bigger piece of the pie. Yeah, the bigger problem for the players is that they basically got their butts whipped last time the two sides negotiated a collective bargaining agreement. So normally you go into collective bargaining and one side says, here's a big list of things I want. And the other side says, here's a big list of things I want. And you negotiate back and forth and you each get some of what you want. Nobody gets all of what they want and you make a deal. If you had to ask the owners, would you take the current collective bargaining agreement for another five years? There are things they'd like. They would like expanded playoffs, of course. Um, if they really got what they wanted, they'd like limits on free agent contracts, which they know they're not getting. But on the whole, things are good for the owners, right? So they don't have to really do anything. So the players have this big, long list that's been built up of what they want. And unfortunately, there's not a, an equal number of bargaining chips to play on both sides. Great, great way of laying it out. And uh, one last question for you, since I know you got to run. Uh, Clayton Kershaw. Is Clayton Kershaw, in your estimation, obviously can't really leak anything, for lack of a better term, or assess anything since nothing is going on. But up until the lockout and kind of from what you've heard, what, what's going on with Mr. Kershaw? Uh, he had told the Dodgers that he wasn't in any great hurry to determine his future. As you know, he's a free agent. And when the Dodgers had the chance to put the qualifying offer on him, which was, you know, say, offer him a one-year contract, he can say yes or no. Wouldn't really affect his free agency if he said no. But the Dodgers didn't want to do that because they thought it might be pressuring him and he had earned the right to take all the time he needed. And remember he finished last season hurt. So he also needs time to evaluate where his arms at and what he thinks he can do because he's an honorable guy. And, you know, I don't think he wants to take money from people under the premise that he's hundred percent. If he's not, uh, doesn't mean you can't sign. Doesn't mean you can't do incentives, all sorts of things in your contract. Uh, I think most people in baseball believe that, it will come down to the Dodgers or the Texas Rangers because, of course, he's a hometown guy where the Rangers play. He lives near Arlington. But, um, you know, they're not going to win this year, even with Corey Seager. Um, maybe they're not going to win next year. You know, I don't know how long Kershaw wants to play. 
certainly he's accomplished everything he could hope to accomplish now that the Dodgers won. Um, he's going to the Hall of Fame if he retired tomorrow. Does he want to just be comfortable and stay at home for a couple of years? Got a lot of kids. That might be fun. Um, but I know winning is really important. I mean, in interviews, unprompted, he will talk about how appreciative he is that by playing for the Dodgers, he has a chance to win every year. And let's be honest, like how many teams are there in baseball that give you that chance every year? He's been here for a decade, right? How many teams have been in the playoffs every year for the last decade, right? You know, so, you know, I think he probably comes back if I had a guess. But again, you know, there's there's nothing he hasn't accomplished here. So maybe staying home is fun, too. Hey, Bill, uh, before we let you go, just quickly, the the man that we can't speak of, Trevor Bauer, um, with the, what happened with Ozuna, with what Major League Baseball came down as a punishment for Ozuna and the Dodgers pitching needs, is there a possibility that Bauer is going to start the, the year with the Dodgers? And if that's the case, what is going to be the, the response? Their reputation, some have said, has already been damaged by that signing. If they allow Bauer in that dugout, it, it, are the fans going to go nuts? Are they going to have a PR nightmare on their hands? And do we know anything about Bauer? Why is this taking so long? Uh, I'll start with the end. Uh, why don't why are we taking so long is because everything is on hold until the LA County District Attorney decides whether Bauer is going to face any criminal charges. The DA's office got the case in August. As we're talking here, it's January. Um, I don't know why it's taking so long. Is that uh, normal, Bill, for it to take this long? Uh, I'm not a lawyer. I only play one sometimes. <laughs> but from the actual lawyers I talk to, uh, it's unusual. But again, we don't know what they're looking at. And the one thing you got to remember is if you bring charges, this is a super high profile defendant with enormous resources because we all know what he's getting paid, right? So you're not just gonna go into court and roll over some overworked public defender here, right? You're gonna get the best lawyers that Bauer's money can buy. So you gotta have an airtight case and the adversary, if you will, the woman who's accusing him has already been found by another judge, this was in the restraining order hearing, to be quote, materially misleading in certain things. So if I'm the DA, which, I mean, thank God I'm not, and thank God for Los Angeles County I'm not, but if I were, the thing you'd worry about is that every time that woman would say something, you could say, well, wait. Now, in the other hearing, the judge said, you don't always tell the truth. So are you telling the truth now or not? I and mean, that would be a tough thing to overcome. But again, you know, they know that at the DA's office, and they're still considering it. So the other thing I would say is that it's not as if, let's say the DA's office announces today that they're not going to charge Bauer. That's not the end of it. Then it goes to Major League Baseball. It's not as if Bauer would go back to the Dodgers tomorrow. Major League Baseball is still expected to suspend him under their domestic violence policy, which has different standards in the criminal case. Major League Baseball has the right to suspend people, whether they're charged, they're not charged, they're convicted, they're not convicted based on Major League Baseball's own investigation, which it's done alongside the police separately, but about the same time. What that investigation shows, we don't know, but they would first 
want to present their findings to Bauer to ask him what he thinks. I cannot envision any scenario under which Bauer would not be suspended um, for some period of time. I also am having a hard time based on how aggressive Bauer has been defending himself, um, both in courts and on social media, that he would just say, fine, go ahead, suspend me. Well, that starts a whole process of, okay, here's the suspension. Now there's going to be a grievance. Now we have to fight that, see how that plays out. Um, so I don't think in the short term, anything is happening. So do the Dodgers cut them? I mean, are they just going to, is this going to be a distraction next season for them? Well, what happened is assuming Manfred suspends Bauer for some period of time, there's a question of like, well, how long does that go for? And maybe Bauer tries to say, well, I was suspended the last half a year last year. So that should be it. So who knows? You can negotiate anything. And I, again, I don't think he wants to negotiate. I think he just thinks he does not deserve to be suspended at all. But, you know, sometimes you just want to take a deal and be done with it. But from the Dodgers point of view, suspension time is unpaid time. So, and again, all hypothetical, I'm not saying this is what's happening, but let's say Bauer suspended for half the season that's about to start. We hope it's about to start. So that's half a season. The Dodgers are off the hook. At the end of that, the Dodgers can activate him and pay him, or they could cut him. And they still pay him because the contract's guaranteed. And then the Dodgers would have to decide, do we try and argue that he violated his contract so we don't have to pay him based on, you know, didn't represent the team well, you know, didn't comport with first-class citizenship, whatever the specific language might be in his contract. It would be a long shot. Baseball history shows that the Dodgers would eventually have to pay him, if not 100% of what they owe him, pretty darn close. So maybe they just don't want the headache. But for now, as long as Major League Baseball is handling it, the Dodgers don't have to pay him anything at the time he'd be suspended. So that's something they would obviously want to take into consideration because you know, he's getting paid a lot of money. So I should buy a ticket for that night that he pitches at Dodger Stadium because I feel it's going to be really awkward to see if the fans cheer him when he takes the mound because it sounds like that's a lot of money to pay a guy to go away. Well, I mean, the Dodgers will have to make a decision about you know, what they stand for. And part of that will be what you know, they find out through the commissioner's investigation. But, you know, if you're asking me, do I think that Bauer is going to pitch for the Dodgers for sure when his suspension is up? I do not think uh, for sure he's going to pitch for the Dodgers. And that's Bill Shaken giving us a few minutes of his time, giving us some insight with uh, all things that are going on. I mean, I will, I will be honest, all things considered, even though there isn't any baseball happening, we still were able to talk quite a bit about baseball. So that worked out great. Yeah, it'd be nice if we're actually talking about like praise and stuff, right? <laughs> or you know, yeah, I, I I miss baseball, but hopefully, as you said, soon. You know, no one knows the uh, the end game, but hopefully, it's soon. But Bill, we really appreciate you uh, stopping by and talking to us for a few minutes, and we'll uh, we'll catch you down the road. All right, take care. You too. Thank you. Hey, this is Todd Lights, public address announcer for your Los Angeles Dodgers, and you are listening to the Bleed Los podcast. Interesting stuff there from uh, Mr. Bill Shaken. Thanks for uh, for joining us again, Bill. Uh, if you don't uh, follow him, go follow him on the Twitter. Uh, it's at Bill Shaken. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. Uh, Gray Ryder has all the uh, the baseball insights for Southern California. 
uh, one thing that he that he uh, kind of uh, talked about was his article one, and uh, and with the article, he kind of dives in deep with Barry Bonds about how kind of Barry doesn't need the Hall of Fame necessarily. You know, he's kind of widely regarded as the greatest hitter to ever walk the face of the earth. And uh, obviously that's up to debate for some people too, but I'm kind of curious to hear your, uh, your, your summation of uh, everything that he threw out there. Well, I, you know, I, I wish we would have had a little more time to go into that article. And again, I, I can't stress enough. I, the, I literally got the LA times for a dollar and I got it for six months. This was the digital, the LA times is not a, a sponsor here for this. I'm not plugging the LA times. I'm just saying, there's some writers, especially some writers that come on the show that write some good stuff. And I really enjoyed this article because it really seemed like the reason why Bonds was not inducted into the Hall of Fame was, and you can make the same argument for Clemens, those guys were being held accountable for what they did. Now, the thing that makes it really interesting, you saw Alex Wood, you saw a couple other players come out hard on Twitter going after Ortiz and that failed uh, drug test that Shaken was referring to. And for those of you that don't know, in 2003, there was a survey. It was, as Bill said, it was supposed to be kept anonymous. The names weren't supposed to come out. The names came out. Ortiz's name was on there. Now, in 2016, uh, Rob Madfred, friend of the show, he said there were a couple, there were about 10 false positives of those people that tested positive in that survey. Now they didn't specify who was, who were those 10 people that had a false positive. So it gives a little shadow of, uh, you know, a, some leeway for Ortiz. They'd be like, he could have been one, like Bill said. So what I find really interesting though, is all these players that are coming out and, giving these backhanded compliments to Ortiz saying he deserves to be in the hall of fame, but Hey, he got busted for cheating. So we should put bonds in is nobody talks about the fact that bonds admitted to using it. He used the cream. His thing is he said he didn't knowingly know that that stuff was in the cream. So that's the thing that I don't understand. It's like, look guys, he admitted that he used it. Why, why are we going about this? Another thing in the article uh, that Shaken brought out was McGuire came out and apologized for what he did, right? It didn't help McGuire. McGuire stayed at about 25% and his vote percentage never increased after that. So I found it really interesting that Bonds increased almost 30% over time. Now, Bill had some theories as to why his percentage increased. But to me, as I said, I can't stress enough, please take the time to go read that article. I think he does a really good job of basically blaming baseball. And, and he said it in the interview with that when we had him on here. He said it. I mean, the fact that Major League Baseball still hasn't punished the Astros appropriately for what they did, the fact that Bud Selig, and look, and this was something I wish we had more time, I would have wanted to go into more detail with Bill, was this implication that everyone knew everybody was using steroids, that Bud Selig knew what was happening, he was just trying to find a way to get out, so that's why he hired Mitchell, a former congressman, to do this report. So if Bud Selig knew about this and Bud Selig and Bud Selig is in the Hall of Fame, I can understand why there's so many players out there that are screaming this is bullshit. Like these guys 
Major League Baseball doesn't punish people. All the scandal with international uh, scouting, everybody cheats when it comes to international scouting, and they busted the Braves guy for it. So the Braves guy is the only one that's it. It just it was a really interesting article that it just seems that there's one thing and it was a museum that held this guy accountable saying, look, you did this. So we're not going to let you in the same reason Pete Rose is not in everyone. I think the same arguments you make for Pete Rose, you make for Barry Bonds. How can this guy, he's the heads leader. How can he not be in the hall of fame? Well, so it was a really, uh, it's, it's, a, it's not that long. So I really encourage people go check out that article. Well, and to backtrack a little bit too, you know, we have to remember how this all started. Jose Canseco put out a book called juiced. And in that book, he suggested that Clemens and, and some other guys had done the gas, right? And Clemens and, 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 you know, the infamous now kind of hearings because of the Mitchell report that they had uh, at Congress where it's implied that him and Rafael Palmero uh, uh, perjured themselves, right? As a matter of fact, because I am one of those history nerds because of what I do for a living, um, they, as a matter of fact, the Department of Justice even looked into perjury charges, you know, for lying to Congress for Clemens. And the whole thing ended up being, you know, a, a prosecutorial misconduct thing and, and led to a mistrial. Right. And and so and he was also found not guilty of all those counts. And I think like 2013, 2012, something like that. So it's this is something that's actually been litigated. This isn't just like the court of public opinion. It's actually been litigated because of the, the echelons that it went up to as far as hearings go. I, I, I've thought about this a little bit here and there, and I kind of go back and forth. And, and uh, the great scholar, Dan Patrick of the Dan Patrick Show, actually made, made a, a great point. And, I, and it's kind of been simmering with me in, in, in the last few days. If this is a museum, which obviously the Hall of Fame is, We've had Josh Rawitz on. We've asked him about this stuff. And, and he's kind of told us how his hands are tied too as the president of the Hall of Fame. Shout out to the homie, Josh. Um, if, it's a Hall of, if it's a Hall of Fame, if it's a museum, let them in and put something on the plaque because a, that's also a part of history at this point, right? Does that necessarily mean that, that we have to celebrate their accolades and all this and that. I mean, I feel like that's kind of within the eye of the beholder, right? But to a certain degree, I think if it let them in, put something on the plaque that, that kind of lays out, hey, this guy was a part of the steroid era. And to Dan's credit, he makes a great point because we're, we're now in the midst of all these guys that tested positive or allegedly tested positive, admitted, maybe didn't admit, you know, went on an apology tour, CC Alex Rodriguez, when they were screaming from the mountaintops that they didn't gas. Well, turns out they did, right? Because to your point, Barry Bonds admitted to using the cream, but unknowingly did not know what was in the cream. And, you know, we, we have the names of, you know, Balco Industries, an, an infamous name that still lingers in the game. Jason Grimsley, another infamous, infamous name that lingers in the game. And to me, it's, I, I understand where Bill's coming from, but at this point, if they're going to right the wrong, then they need to do something like that because how many of these guys that are upcoming on the ballots are going to continue having these questions? And to your point with the, with the Houston Astros, Carlos Beltran's on the next damn ballot. So, so it's just going to keep happening and, and baseball is doing this thing where they keep getting in their own damn way instead of righting the wrong of history, which baseball prides themselves on preserving the history of the game. 
So we have the modern era, the dead ball era, all these eras, right? Well, we do have a steroid era. That's a thing. It happened. I worked in the game around that time. It happened. Like that, that's something that we can't, you know, my memories are almost like a movie to a certain degree because of how long it's been now. But regardless, it happened. And we can litigate back and forth that A-Rod and Clemens, even Barry Bonds, did they need the gas? Probably not. But they made a decision. Roger Clemens talks about that, as we pointed out with Bill, where he opted to make generational wealth and take care of his people. Cool. Cool. I'm cool with that. But at the same time, you also, in my opinion, can't have it both ways. You can't cry foul when you know what you knowingly did. And, and that's my only beef with this all is the holier than thou element where some guys have said, well, you know, I made a decision and I, and I, I, I'm not, you know, I've moved on. It's been 10 years. Me and my family moved on, yada, yada, yada. Then if you moved on, why are you still talking about it? So, so again, to me, it's when you unpack the history, all that stuff that we just unpacked there. And obviously that's a concise version. Then put them in the hall and put something on the plaque. And then we move on. Because again, we're going to run into this. We asked Josh Rowich when a guy like an Alex Bregman or a Jose Altuve, if they become eligible for the vote, get into the hall, yada, yada, yada. What are we going to do then? And, and you're still talking about guys, even like a Justin Verlander, who's got tainted, you know, history and, and stats now because of that. And, and he's to a certain degree, kind of an innocent bystander because that dude joined the team halfway through the season. He was acquired halfway through. So that's, in my estimation, that's an unfair thing to put someone through, right? So, but that's going to keep happening because of the way that baseball's handling this. And it's totally unfair. No, I, I, absolutely. I, I think you're right. I think next year is going to be a very interesting vote. Um, I think Beltre is up in 2024 and I think Beltre is going to be a no doubter there. I don't think you have to worry about Beltre. You're right. I, I got my years mixed up because we were looking at the ballots and I don't leave. No, 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 no. Beltran is up next year. I'm talking about Adrian Beltre. Oh, in 2024. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I feel like next year is going to be an interesting year because uh, Babyface said this. It doesn't look like anybody next year is going to get in of the candidate, first time ballot eligible candidates that are going in there. And all right. Hey, don't at me, Andre Ethier apologists. OK, I know Ethier's going to be on the ballot for the first time next year, but it, it looks like no one's going to get in. The fact that Ortiz got in and the amount of progress that Bonds made, I wonder now if people are going to start looking at the people that's you have question marks around them if they're going to get more votes. And if these guys start getting into the hall of fame, I mean, bonds and Clemens are going to continue to have this platform of, okay, you're going to put babyface. Who did you want? Who did you use an exam as an example? Harold Baines is in the hall of fame. Harold Baines is in the hall of fame, but Barry Bonds is out of the hall of fame. So it, it's one of those things. But I, I, one of the other things that I, I, I picked up from that interview, it sounds like Bill is saying there is no sense of urgency in terms of these negotiations. And one of the things that he pulled, uh, that he mentioned that I really haven't given much thought was that the players got killed in the last deal. So since the players got killed in the last deal, don't you think that means the players are going to dig in more? And there's no way. We're starting the season on time. We are going to lose games. A hundred percent. I mean, and 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 you know, as, as we mentioned, we had Max Muncie on last week, and we we kind of asked him, and, and he gave us, a, in my estimation, in my humble opinion, 
the best non-answer you can give so you don't get yourself caught up in anything, right? But it still kind of gave you insight as to where where the optics are, right? And Bill laid beautifully laid out some of the the, the issues that they're, for lack of a better term, you know, harping on. There's no way baseball starts on time, man, because you can't. There's no way that you can get the framework in place for negotiations for structures like that for years and and pool money, et cetera, like that. There's no way. And on top of that, th- those are only two of the issues that they're going back and forth about. We don't, know, you know, we don't know 100% of all the other issues because there's, you know, some little logistical ones, but they've made progress. So we'll take that, right? But that doesn't mean that anything's going to start on time or anything like that. So, and I think, in my humble opinion, I get where both sides are coming from. I get it. I 100% do. But I think the reason that there's urgency now to a certain degree is I think they realize that they can't miss games, but unfortunately they're going to miss games just because it, it took them to kind of get to this, you know, rock meet, you know, other rock, boom, stuck. So it's one of those where where I think no matter what we do or what they do at this point, the games are going to be missed. Spring training isn't going to start on time, et cetera, et cetera. And, but, you know, to your point, Bill, Bill pointed out quite a, quite a few of the discrepancies between them and why we're here because they got killed. They got killed in the last deal. And of course, when you go into that and then you throw in the history of stuff that's happened, you have the COVID year, for instance, when they negotiated that deal uh, with the TV deal and they kept telling everyone, hey, we don't have money. We don't have money. Dick Monafort has publicly said that uh, stuff about money and things that ownership of, about teams that don't necessarily want to follow the COVID thing because of, of resources. So if you don't have everyone on the same page on one side, you know, again, Rock me hard place. Boom. And here we are. So it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. And uh, one other thing that I found interesting that Bill pointed out and, and you, you asked them about the Trevor Bauer thing. I think Trevor Bauer is going to play. And I think you said the same thing too, before we started recording this a minute ago. And that's kind of just the general vibe that I'm getting. What say you? Before I answer that babyface, I feel like you wanted to ch- uh, come in on something. Am, am I wrong? No, I was just going to tell you guys, spring training is scheduled to start in two and a half weeks. So correction you know, asterisk was scheduled to begin well, in two and a half weeks. weeks. I mean, you know, they met this week, you know, some, you know, you'd call it a little bit of progress, but there's still no, no further meeting scheduled um, coming up. So when's that going to happen next week, week after that. And then TBD. by the, by the time they agree, they come to an agreement, you got another, what, how much time to sign free agents? Two weeks, three weeks, four weeks? What you know? So, and that's and that's, and that's what they have to negotiate too. All those yeah. timelines. Yeah, so I hope you didn't book your annual trip out there, uh, babyface, because I don't think you're going to be seeing any spring training games in a month. Otherwise, nothing, nothing we're, booked yet. Otherwise, we're going to run into each other out there, and there's there's going to be nothing to do but eat tacos, which isn't a bad thing if you really think about it. Well, I mean, going back to the Bauer thing, it's just every I read it, I hear it. Everybody says there's no way he's going to play for the Dodgers again. There's no way nobody talks about it. The fact that the, the, the there haven't been any. Well, uh, they haven't decided if they're going to bring the case to trial. Uh, right, Alonzo, there have been charges, but they just haven't the, decided whether they're going to bring it to trial. And I thought uh, Bill did a good job of explaining why. There's a hesitancy, but as Bill said, talking to other lawyers, it does seem like this is unusual that it is taking that long. 
So everybody's telling me, everybody's telling me that he's not going to be on the Dodgers. He's not going to be on the Dodgers. Now I'm starting to feel the opposite way because everybody's, it just seems like there is nothing that they're going to be able to use. And Bill said it. I don't think, here's also the advantage. Babyface said this. If this was any of three of us getting accused of this, we would have been in jail already. And Bill mentioned it, the fact that that Bauer has a lot of money so he can hire good lawyers that will basically keep his ass out of jail. That's not something that can apply to us. I sit there and I think about Osuna. Now, Osuna, and I'm not, please don't jump to conclusions. I am not defending Osuna because there is little video footage of what he did to that woman. But the fact that Osuna can't defend himself the same way that Bauer does the fact that Bauer goes to social media and is pleading his case. Osuna can't do any of that stuff. So I think the Dodgers see that Bauer has this platform where it's just like, is it even worth it? I mean, we can't, we're not going to win in beating him on the contract. We're going to have to pay him what we have to pay him. And then we need pitching. We need pitching. So if we're going to pay him all this money, we might as well have him out there. I, I just, I really want to be at that game because I really want to see how fans react because there's a bunch of fans out there who are like, he didn't do anything wrong. He's being persecuted. And then there's other fans that are in the complete opposite end of the spectrum and think he is a horrible person. So I'm curious. I mean, could you imagine he's on the mound and he's getting booed by half the stadium? Trevor Bauer is uh, to use a, a a wrestling gimmick, an intriguing enigma. And if you know anything about wrestling, you know who they use that gimmick for: Matt Hardy, Matt Hardy or Jeff Hardy. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, apologies to Matt Hardy. Je- Jeff Hardy is an interesting uh, kind of comparison for this. And the reason I say that is that dude kind of has gone through hell and back. Just got released by WWE because he refused to go to rehab. Yada yada yada. Difference is they don't have a union, just like MLB does, right? made some terrible decisions, got himself caught up with the law. WWE made a decision to let him go. And there's also more to the story, his story, whatever. Trevor Bauer, as far as we know, broke a law, right? And should should be held accountable as far as the, the law goes with that. However, it's dragging out. Here we are. He's polarizing in the sense that it's from everything that's been reported. The players do not want him in the clubhouse. That that's that's been reported widely, and and that that's that's just where we're at. Um, the baseball team and the, the Dodgers themselves, obviously, if that's the case, well, we don't want to pay this guy. And like Bill said, they're going to want to try to avoid that deal. History shows that the Dodgers probably will lose that grievance, and they'll end up having to pay him something. Right? That that's just kind of the big picture. From a fan standpoint, I, I truthfully, from from what I've seen on on. The, the dark despair that is Twitter. I don't know which way fans go with it one way or the other, because I've kind of seen it go 50-50. And that's why it would be super interesting to watch him show up to the ravine and pitch against anyone at this point, the Rockies, Giants, it doesn't matter who. Because at that point, the day, his go day will not be about the game. It will be about him. And especially that first one, it'll be like when A-Rod came back and Ryan Dempster threw at his ass. It's going to be something like that. Let me stop you right there. Let me throw this out to you guys, right? Sure. 
being the history that this franchise has, especially with the history of Chavez Ravine and how they alienated a population of the city. Right. And you had Valenzuela that basically had to bring everything back. If they go ahead and, and do this, if they bring him out there and he pitches again, is it going to alienate another part of this population? And can the Dodgers survive this? Because this is a, 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 I mean, regardless of whether the team is good or bad, they draw 3 million fans. Are we going to see that Babyface knows this feeling well? When the fans get upset with something ownership does, they stay home. Oh, I 100%. Mean, could we, I mean, babyface, could you see something like this happening where the fan, I mean, the, the fans really get upset over this? I mean, I, I think there'll, there'll be that section of fans that are going to get upset, but I know there's going to be that section of fans that are going to be like, oh, well, you know, he's pitching, he's going to win his games, he can get us to the World Series and win. And, you know, maybe his first couple outings, you're going to have this big old media storm. And then after that, it's just going to, it's just going to fade away and it's going to, and it's going to go away and you won't hear about it anymore. And that's, and that's the truth. No, hundred percent. Because again, the way that I see it, it's split 50, 50. And truthfully, I don't think this is going to be the downfall of the Dodgers because the Dodgers have endless resources. So even if they have to pay Trevor Bauer, that 40 plus million or whatever, that's outstanding. They're going to pay it. I mean, they paid Carl Crawford seventy something million dollars to go away. That is true. <laughs> so I, I, that end of it, that that's the reason I'm not harping on that end of it. I'm not worried about the financials because they know when they have to make a baseball decision, they'll make it right. They do have a history of paying people to go away, right? Are yeah. they still paying Manny? I, I think they still owe Manny money, right, from the McCourt years. Yeah, probably, and they're probably owing because they used Manny Wood or something like that to that. You know, they owe money. I mean, it's none. Nonetheless, I don't think that this is going to be the downfall of the Dodgers in any way, shape, or form. Is it going to be bad PR for them? Probably. But a part of it, too, is when your hands are tied, your hands are tied. That's just that's just how it is. I mean, baseball contracts are ironclad guaranteed contracts. And I'm glad that Bill pointed that out because if it ends up being a money thing with the fans, it's like, yo, you weren't complaining when they paid Carl Crawford $72 million to go away. You weren't complaining when they paid Aegon however much they paid him to go away. You didn't complain this hard when they made when they paid Brandon League to go away. So it's that you know the, the, the financial well, I, I don't think there'll be an issue. I don't think fans will be upset if they pay Bauer to go no, away. No. I'm just curious to see the fans' reaction if they do keep Bauer. And I mean, if it's I mean, with what baby said what babyface said, if after a two or three starts people forget, I would not be surprised. Oh, right? 100%. But at the same time, I don't, I, if people, like if he continues to get booed throughout the year, that wouldn't surprise me either because I do feel, I, I would love to be able to bring on another guest here, but you know, there are a lot of female Dodger fans and I, I, I don't know if they're going to be able to, to forget, you know, something like that. Well, you also have to remember, this is a guy that embraces the villain role. So I'm not, I don't think this is going to, truthfully, the only issue where it's going to be an issue is going to be in the clubhouse. That's the place where it's going to affect more because as you know, there, we didn't, we, we don't know if this actually did in fact happen, but there's been reporting that they had in a players only meeting with Mookie Betts, right? To discuss the stuff that the Red Sox did. Right. Cool. If they go out and sign Carlos Correa, which by the way, I don't think that's happening now because he retained Boris, but 
if they were to go sign a Carlos Correa or, you know, an Alex Bregman, no, obviously not a free agent because he just signed an extension. But as an example, if they did that with Mookie, then they're sure as hell going to do that with those guys. And if Trevor is going to be around in the clubhouse and, and, and management tells everyone, hey, uh, Trevor's our guy, he's going to be here, you know, because as you know, that's how they do it in, in, in team sports. Cool. Then I would fully expect them if they did that with Mookie, they're going to do that with Trevor and kind of lay out the conditions. And as Max also pointed out, JT's JT's going to police that clubhouse, right? The players are going to police that clubhouse. And that's where the dichotomy of it all is going to be interesting because at the end of the day, the fans can say and do whatever they want. Obviously, short of physically fighting someone or throwing something at a player, right? Yeah. But they're going to do that. Let them do that, especially with a guy that embraces the villain role. But that's for me is what's the most interesting thing to see is what is going to be the environment in that clubhouse if a guy like Trevor Bauer is still around. Because at the end of the day, doesn't matter where he goes, he has baggage. And that's just that. Back to what, what Alonzo was saying about how it was reported saying that nobody wants him in the clubhouse. I don't know if, if you've been seeing some of the tweets that Bauer's been putting out over the last couple of weeks. Like, I mean, he'll go on there and just start trying to defend himself with people and you know, just put out all these things saying, oh, well, only two people know what happened, blah, 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 this and that. If you saw one of his tweets, um, someone told him that nobody wants him in the clubhouse. This is nobody, so the reason nobody wants to play with you um, and all this stuff. And Bauer's response was, did the media tell you that too, you poor thing? So, you know, he's trying to shrug it off saying like, you know, you know, he's always been one with the, with the media you know, doesn't necessarily tell you the truth, what's going on. So, but that's just, you know, when, if you follow, go, if you look at his tweets, you know, he's just constantly on there just trying to defend himself. And I, I told you guys, like, it just makes no sense. It's just like, dude, just be quiet. You know, if you're innocent, it'll come out. If you're guilty, it's going to come out. But just, just stay off the social media and just shut up. You know, it's like, this isn't doing you any good just to come out and start, you know, arguing with people that are tweeting at you. Again, don't throw don't throw elbows, bro. Just keep doing your content and then keep pipe down and, and stay in your lane. I mean, again, if they want to do the media narrative thing, that's totally fine. That's 100% fine. But at the end of the day, it doesn't change the reality of you're still caught up in an indictment, man. That's just where it's at. Even though it's stagnant, this is where it is. And that doesn't change. The, I mean, those are the facts, right? He can blame the media for all this other stuff, but it doesn't change the facts of the case. And I get it. Two people know what happened and only two people allegedly. Cool. Then let the facts speak for themselves. And then if you get acquitted, hey, I would be the first one to apologize to you for the things that we've said. I'd have no problem if you are in fact acquitted. But I'm also not going to go out of my way to do what he's doing and just like go into the comments and nitpick like you're looking for a fight, man. No, I mean, I'm sure we're going to be able to get to revisit this because, like you said, I I am starting to feel like 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 he is going to pitch. I just thought it was interesting to think about it because I feel like the Dodgers themselves as an organization, I think, has done a pretty good job. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't get as much attention in terms of all the baseball fields that they build around L.A. for the youth. And, and you know, the what they did with Dodger Stadium and the stuff that they – I mean – that center field plaza it's just it's like a, a place to congregate now it's 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 a party central it's club ravine so i i feel like they've done some some good things with the community and how they handle this i think is going to be uh really interesting to see if it's sincere or not but i am very curious to to see what happens but like i said i'm sure we're going to revisit it because if it does happen 
every show, everything is going to be, you're going to see articles being written about whether Bowers should be out, out on the field. So it's too easy to tell, but it, it is funny. Maybe, I mean, Babyface is right. I mean, I don't hear anybody talking about it. Maybe nobody talks about it because there's nothing to report at this time. But so has everyone kind of just put this behind them and, and has just thought, eh, he's not going to be on the team. And whether he shows up, is that just going to reopen a wound where it's going to be like, wait, what is he doing here? Well, I mean, we also have to remember we live in an era where the attention span is about seven to six minutes. <laughs> and the reason I say it specifically that way is it always goes backwards. So, I, I mean, frankly, I haven't forgot about it. But the reason I know it hasn't been, you know, in the forefront of my mind, it's still being litigated. Let it play out the course. You know, that's why we have a justice system, although I don't always agree with it personally. The justice system is there and we got to let, you know, you got to let, uh, as uh, Joel Embiid once famously said, you got to trust the process. And uh, and that's just where it's at, man. And I, I again, I am leaning towards my man is going to play. And that's just that. I think that's just what it, I mean, because I know how those grievances go. I'm fully expecting him to play and it is what it is. And I mean, I mean, I, hey, he had his day in court and that's all that matters, right? That's right. Babyface, final prediction. Do you think he plays? That's, I mean, I think very pensive. Very pensive. I mean, I think uh, I think the Dodgers are. I still think they might cut him though. I still, it's kind of 50-50. I mean, I think they'll they'll still they'll still cut him, regardless of kind of what happens. Uh, um, let me it, ask you this: from the end of the season till now, has your opinion changed? Did you think at the end of the season? Did you think that's it? He's done. And now you're 50-50, or were you always 50-50? Um, kind of been 50-50. I mean, just because it's taken so long, what's what's happening? Like, and then I saw what they did with Osuna. They, you know, they gave him the time served for his suspension. You know, are they gonna do that with Bauer? You know, he he missed half the season. So, like, okay, 60 game suspension. Oh, but I served 60 games. So can I start right off right off the bat? You know, but I still think, you know, that 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 persona that the Dodgers are and, and just what, what it's going to mean if, if Bauer is back on the team, um, you know, I, I mean, I could see them cutting them and, and eating that 40 million, but, but then again, you know, if, if they're short on pitchers, I mean, you know, what are you going to do? Well, we got Gonsolin. Yeah. And you have, <laughs> and you have uh, Danny Duffy. We don't have Danny Duffy. He'll be, he, a lot of people think he might resign with them, but. You know, we could get well, Danny Duffy. Well, that, that, wait a minute. Osuna is still signed with the Braves, right? He's coming yeah. back this year. He's ready to go. He's his 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 suspension was what almost about the time as Bowers last something season. like that. Wasn't and, it eighty games, sixty games, something like that? And I they gave remember. him they gave him he served he served it already with the time that he was off, so That's he's right. ready to go day one. We, we should get somebody from Atlanta media on to be like, is anybody talking about what Osuna is going to do to that locker room? Or is just Bauer a completely different animal, or is it just LA? I'm, I'm really curious. To, uh, honestly, that's to how a, people in Atlanta view this. That's a great point. I hadn't even thought about that. But then again, I, I mean, I, yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know either of those two guys, so I don't know. I truthfully don't know. I only know about Bauer stuff, you know, from baseball circles. But as you know, personally, I don't know them, so I don't know. Uh, my prediction is he plays and then uh, creates a headache, and they move on from him. They trade him. Oh wow, well, good call. Good call. We'll see. It'll, it'll be interesting to see. I'm curious to see it. What's your prediction aside from that he plays? Because there's I, I, always a what if with him. 
I, I think he plays, and I think it'll be a, a distraction throughout the season. And um, I, I will tell you this, if the Dodgers struggle next year, uh, I'm sure he's going to be the he's going to get blamed for a, a lot of it if he pitches. If he pitches, I guarantee you, you can already see our articles being written that he disrupted the chemistry, ruined the chemistry of that team. Um, I, I, I just think there's going to be he's going to be a storyline throughout the season. And but I mean, so these guys are professionals, man, so they might be able to manage it. Last prediction uh, as we wrap up this episode. Uh, when does baseball start for you guys now that we've had Bill on? I still think it's June. Roger. Um, I th- I'm starting to think it will happen sooner. Probably when we'll start like, uh, what, March, right? End of March? Yeah. So maybe by May. Uh, I'm thinking uh, June report start middle of june is what i'm thinking hmm. sorry roger i didn't mean to uh to bring down the uh the morale <laughs> of optimism that you have i apologize but i mean that's just where it's at that's where it's at i mean it sucks i want baseball to start too i don't want my birthday to be around when spring training is like that's no i want to go to a dodger game and throw a beer at juan for my birthday that's what i want to do <laughs> not not pretend games and warm-up games for the C. I I mean, that's just where it's at. Huge thanks, though, to Bill Shaken for joining us. Uh, if you don't follow him, go follow him. He's a good follow on all things, like I mentioned, Southern California baseball and baseball in general. Uh, and a uh, huge thanks for him making the time. But on that note, uh, it's another episode of the Bleed Los Podcast. It's your boys, Alon San Juan, with uh, the babyface gimmick in the sky, Roger. The optimistic babyface gimmick in the sky, Roger. Uh, prayers up. Hold it up. By the way, if, if uh, I think we're going to share a screenshot of this, uh, there's a very specific reason why Roger is wearing the hat that he's wearing. We'll dive into that later. But on that note, thanks again for joining us, and, uh, and, and we'll see you down the road. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Please subscribe and leave a review to the Bleed Lows Podcast. The Bleed Lows Podcast is a Dodgers Beat production. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.